0: last week i was talking to you about three idols that the united states needs to repent of i got these from doug wilson who's a pastor up in idaho the first one was conceit which is that the individual is supreme and you're a law unto yourself the second one was evolution or science which is there's no meaning this universe just is and there's no eternal meaning and Third one is secularism, which means that we can govern ourselves simply by exercise of reason. Just by way of reminder of what I talked about last week. Well, it turns out that in idol worship there are hierarchies. And those three idols that I have just rattled off for you are in fact subordinate idols and there is an idol above them all which is what I want to talk about today. Most of you have heard variations on this before. There's three lists of ten in Scripture. So you have the ten statements of creation in Genesis. You have the ten plagues which destroyed the world, in air quotes. It didn't destroy the world, but it destroyed the world system. And then you have ten statements at Sinai which are recreation of everything in a new way. The old had been destroyed and passed away. The whole point of the Ten Commandments at Sinai is to reestablish it on a proper footing. Now, in each of those three lists of ten, the list is progressive. What winds up happening is the tenth becomes an intensification of the first nine. Go to creation as an example. You have first off the light and then you have separation and so forth. And the whole point of all this is to make a place for us. So the 10th statement of creation is let us make man in our own image. So everything that goes before is by way of setting up the environment for the last one. Same thing with the 10 plagues you have the ten plagues all trying to get pharaoh and Egypt's attention and just keeps ratcheting up and ratcheting up until finally you have the tenth which is the death of the firstborn which destroys Egyptian society because symbolically if the first is dead then there's nothing that follows and so what I'm going to say to you then is this third sequence of ten the intensification becomes the tenth commandment and what's the tenth commandment thou shalt not covet it's very slightly different between Deuteronomy and uh, Exodus I'll read it from Deuteronomy so Deuteronomy 5:21, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife you shall not desire your neighbor's house his field or his male servant or his female servant his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors So that's the 10th commandment. And of course, what I'm saying to you is that the first nine lead up to that. And the 10th one then becomes the intensification. Now, Paul brings it all together for us. Because what Paul says in both Ephesians and Colossians, and I will read it from Ephesians. I'm in Ephesians 5, verse 3. has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience so what Paul says is covetousness is idolatry and I am going to suggest to you that covetousness is in fact the master idol and the ones that I talked about last time are merely subordinate idols all of which come under the roof, if you will, of covetousness. That's where I'm going with this. I'm going to give you three words, and they are not, in fact, the same. The first one is covetousness. The second one is greed. And the third one is envy. And as I am fond of saying, they don't mean quite the same thing, and the way you can tell is they're spelled differently. Covetousness is all-encompassing within covetousness then you have greed and envy so what greed is is wanting something that isn't yours and isn't supposed to be yours now there's a difference between greed and ambition so as you're going out and you're starting a business or you're working ambition is perfectly fine you want to do well you want to prosper you want everything to be built up That's good. In fact, God motivates us with that because he says, if you follow me, what I'll do is I will increase your flocks, I'll increase your herds, nothing will miscarry, your barns will be full, your wine presses will overflow. So what that is, is ambition. That's perfectly benign. I mean, it can get out of hand, obviously, but there's nothing inherently wrong with being ambitious wanting to do well wanting to succeed all those kinds of things greed on the other hand is when you look at something that either belongs to someone else or you're not supposed to have and you lust after it that's what we're talking about when we're talking about greed so keep those two things separate and then envy is again slightly different from greed You can certainly envy someone his possessions, but mostly you envy someone for who he is. You look at someone and say, oh, man, I wish I could sing like that. That's what I worry about. You look at someone and think, ooh, I really wish I was as good looking as he or she is, depending on which way you're looking. That's envy as opposed to admiration. Example I use is guys can't help looking. I mean, it's just wired into us. When a pretty girl goes by, we look. And as long as you say, wow, good job, God, and move on, no harm, no foul. But if you start to covet her and she is married to someone else or you're married to someone else, then you become envious and greedy. So all of these things that we have built into us are normal. God made guys that way because otherwise there would be no next generation. It's something God built into us, it can go afoul and run afoul. Same thing with ambition, everything else. It can all go off in the wrong direction. So what I'm going to suggest to you is that the idol that the United States is struggling with right now is the idol of covetousness. And what we've got is a whole bunch of grifters and these grifters have dressed up their covetousness in high-sounding words. Now I'm going to tell a slightly off-color joke not terribly off-color but slightly because it serves a point. There was a young lady and she left home and went to another town to get a job and she was looking for a place to live. And she found a room in one of those houses, if you know what I mean, and she rented a room there. And after a while she was talking to a friend and the friend says, gee, how is that working out, living in a place like that? I mean, you're church going gal and all that kind of stuff. How's that working out? Oh, it's, it's all right, fine. Of course, when things are busy on weekends, sometimes I help out a little bit. And what that is, is a lie that she is telling herself. She's saying, well, the fact that I'm living in a place like that isn't really affecting me, but it is. And she is able to lie to herself and to rationalize that, well, that, you know. Occasionally on weekends. It's no big deal. And what happens in our society is we have covetousness covered up by the same self-deceiving set of lies. We could go lots of places with this. Take something like the current social justice wave that's flowing over the country. I'm not covetous. What I'm doing is I am standing up for the oppressed. I am making sure that the powerful don't get away with oppressing the weak. Does that sound familiar? Well, no, that's actually not what's going on. What those people want is they want the power, the status, and the property of somebody else. And they are dressing it up in high sounding words. I only help out on weekends. That's what's going on. Mostly it's a grift. Take, for example, Black Lives Matter. Well, Shazam, the founder of Black Lives Matter has been able to buy five multi-million dollar houses. Wow, social justice is really profitable. What I'm suggesting here is we're dealing with covetousness. We are not dealing with any high-sounding moral principles. And it's an idol. Same thing with Antifa. We are standing up for the oppressed. We're speaking truth to power. We're making sure that these people don't get away with that stuff. And, oh, by the way, we're going to have the power. We're going to have the status. We're going to eventually be able to take the property. Your isms. Communism. Socialism fascism nazism all those isms are variations on the theme they are high sounding ways of justifying covetousness that's the base emotion and that's the base idol that is behind all of these things now God has set up a system we can't ever live under it for more than about 20 minutes but God set it up right Okay, And because we're human and we're subject to frailty and falling, we don't do very well at it. But if you look back, his system was set up under the judges. And of course, you've all read the book of Judges and you recognize that it takes about 20 minutes and Israel goes off into the weeds. But the system that he set up is families where you have a hierarchy the family takes care of itself when the family can't take care of itself there's a judge that you can go to to settle the dispute otherwise the government never messes with you and in fact you remember the speech that Samuel gave to Israel when they said we want a king just like everybody else what he says is okay But you're not going to be happy with it because the king is going to take your sons for his armies. The king is going to take your daughters to be his servants. The king is going to take your land and give it to his court. The king is going to do all sorts of things that never happened before. That's what God says through Samuel. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-government. That's not what I'm saying here. Because people being what they are, there has to be some structure. As I say, we can't live under total freedom for more than about 20 minutes. You have Cain and Abel. And Abel had something that Cain wanted. Cain was envious of Abel because of Abel's favor in God's sight so what he did killed him Joseph and his brothers his brothers were envious of Joseph's status in the eyes of their father they coveted the love and affection that their father showed to Joseph and so what they did in that covetousness is they got rid of the guy and then maybe we'll get some too and notice that it didn't work Because in today's reading, as far as Jacob is concerned, Benjamin's the only son he's got. So it didn't work. But it's covetousness. Eve listens to the serpent because there's something that she wants that she can't have. And the serpent offers her a better deal. That's covetousness. So covetousness is the master idol. All of these other idols that we are dealing with are simply subordinate to that. That's why it's the Tenth Commandment. That's why it's so hard to keep. And we all have trouble with it. We truly do. We all look at someone who is better at this, more wealthy, more whatever. And there's this little thing that goes through us of, why him and not me? very normal and that's why God says you can't do that because what it does is it then leads to all of the other Ten Commandments you wind up badmouthing the guy destroying his reputation murdering him taking his wife disrespecting that's the whole purpose of honor your father and your mother if I had been born to a better set of parents I would be very rich And not only that, I would have a whole stable of gals. And I would have this and that and the other thing if I'd been born to better parents. Honor your father and your mother is specific against covetousness. You become grateful for what you have been given. And there's your next step. The attitude that you need to cultivate to get rid of covetousness in your life is gratitude that's God's specific against covetousness so in the case of your parents being grateful to your parents for having brought you into the world and raised you up and doing all the things that they've done for you imperfect as I'm sure it was my parents were imperfect I'm sure if you asked my children they would say that I've been pretty imperfect too Certainly not me, right? (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, if my attitude toward my parents is gratitude, what that does is it scotches that covetousness at the source. Same thing with God. If your attitude toward Him is gratitude, then you can look at the world and you can be grateful for what you've got and you can put the things that you don't have into proper perspective that's what gratitude does for you it gives you perspective I'm sure you all watch the daily riots has anybody noticed any gratitude among those people I'm very serious can you look at any of these people and see gratitude all you see is this place is unjust this place is racist this place is classist. this place is terrible and you need to put me in charge so I can fix it but there's no gratitude there and that's the antidote to this conscious gratitude and listening to y'all's prayers this morning gratitude is welling up Grateful for what God has done. Grateful for what God is doing. And what I'm telling you is that is specific against covetousness. That's your weapon to get you out from under it. So keep doing what you're doing, which is being grateful to God for all of the things that He has done for you. Be grateful to your parents, in my case, in memory for what they did for you and yeah everybody comes from a dysfunctional family we all did everybody but there are still things you can be grateful for find those and focus on them be grateful for the things that come into your life that you're not expecting it happens to everybody things will happen to you that oh, gee that was nice and learn to look at those in gratitude. Not as, well, yeah, but I didn't get this, which is covetous. So gratitude's your weapon.